The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. We've been in a series of messages here uh, at Liberty for um, this will be basically about the ninth week where we've been talking about this concept of home. And, um, and I told you guys a while back that we're going to stay on this course of messages until the Lord tells us to do something different. Um, we're just going to stay on the gas. Uh, I feel like the Lord's been really speaking to us and uh, telling us some things. I had the, um, the honor and the privilege of being able to share and teach at the uh, revival that's going on in Wanchi's on Friday night. And uh, uh, it has been an amazing thing. If you've missed it, you haven't had a chance to go yet. You've got five or six more days. It's all the way to next Saturday, six o'clock every night. Um, there's just been some uh, uh, amazing folks in worship and gathering. I was watching online because you actually can watch it live online as well. Last night, there was just some incredible ministry last night. Um, it was funny. I, uh, I, uh, there have been some Outer Banks legends that have been sharing and teaching down at the revival. Pastor Daniels was preaching down there. Miss Tillett last night. Dad spoke last week. And I had to follow Dad, which is always a hard act to follow. And uh, so Friday, I was praying about, okay, Lord, well, what do you want to do? You know, Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want to say to your people? That kind of thing. And all that's been stirring in my gut, and I've not been able to get away from it, is the stuff that we've been talking about. Because it's just where we are. I was, Catherine and I have been talking. I've been crying so much. I'm about cried out. Just, you know, the Lord's just been wearing me out with this thing in a good way. And, but I started to haggle with the Lord a little bit about sharing, you know, I was like, well, Lord, this is a revival. You know, how many of you guys have ever been to old school revival? I mean, anybody? All right. You know, and so I'm thinking, okay, well, we're talking about lovey-dovey home and inviting everybody home and all of that. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, this is revival. So like, what would we do to pump your people up? You know, just haggling with the Lord a little bit. And the Lord, the Lord dealt with me about that a little bit. That if you remember, I've been telling you guys for about eight weeks or so that that first week we started the home series that originally we were going to start some teaching on revival was the next series of messages we were going to do. And that the staff were meeting, was meeting that week and we were sharing testimonies of people who had come to church and that they had felt at home or they felt like they had found a home and that God was speaking to them and ministering to them. And somebody mentioned that we ought to have a welcome home sign on the property. And, um, and the Lord stirred in my heart a message, a, just one message. Um, and I was like, okay, well, we'll push this teaching on revival off a week and we'll do that. And we've been doing it ever since. And the Lord wouldn't leave me alone. And so Friday, the Lord spoke to me and said, you didn't push off the teaching on revival. What we've been teaching is the teaching on revival. That's what the Lord said to me. And so that's what we talked about a little bit Friday night. And so what I want to do with you today is kind of shift us into a second leg of what we've been talking about. Where we've been talking about this concept of home. That home was always at the heart of the gospel. That from the very beginning, and we've talked about this a lot, but if this is your first time hearing it, from the very beginning, 
from before the creation of the world, the Bible says that God is love, that, that God's not loving because the world makes a God out of love. Right? They serve the feeling. But see, God's not a feeling. God himself is love. He's what perfect love is like. And we understand a snippet of that because if we've ever loved anyone or loved anything, the desire of our heart was to love them, be loved in return. That love desires a giver and a receiver. Well, God is that way in a perfect way because he's perfect love. It's what he's like. So since God is love, God created because God wanted a family. That's the whole deal. And because love cannot be forced or coerced, right? I can't put a gun in somebody's head and say, tell me you love me because I love you, man, but they don't mean it. And, uh, right. So it makes sense. Love had to be a choice. So there was a tree in the garden of Eden. That's why there was a tree. Love had to be a choice. And man made the unloving choice. We disobeyed God. We orphaned ourselves from the family that was at God's heart. And from that time, all the way to the time that Jesus resurrected from the dead and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, God has been in hot pursuit of his children, revealing himself, proclaiming himself, sending people to speak the message, to prophesy about the coming of Jesus and the time that he would come. And then when Jesus was born, he raised the 12 guys there, all in preparation for the home to get started. The Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was born. That At the very heart of this whole deal was home. And we talked about Luke chapter 15 and the story of the prodigal son and about what the home really looks like, about that home is a place where those who are not home yet can come, the lost can come home. That because of Jesus and the sacrifice on the cross and him paying on the debt for our sin, that we can come home and that Jesus really is the welcome mat of the home we've been talking about. That you can wipe our dirty, nasty feet on Jesus and step into the door of the home. That he took our punishment on the cross so that we can become the children of God when we believe by faith in Jesus, when we come by Jesus. And that when we come home, we can grow. And that we become like the Father ourselves, where we become the people who reach out to the lost, who run to the lost on the road like the Father did in the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Where we speak identity to them and walk with them. Where we are, uh, the compassion of Jesus is taught us, and we learn that we are to always have compassion on people. Not judge them, but have compassion on them the way God has compassion on them. So we've been talking about that. Second leg of this thing is, I want us to practically begin to dig into what it means and what it's like to become home. That there are questions to be answered like, what do I need to do? What's my next step? What is it going to look like? What's it going to cost me? What do I need to give? How's this going to take place in my life? We're going to talk about that uh, here over these coming weeks, about becoming the home that we've been talking about. It's amazing because I love Liberty. Liberty is a messy place and uh, it's a fun place. But we're one of the church family gatherings out here in these Outer Banks. One of the things I've loved about the revival down in Wanchi's, I was having different churches raise their hands on Friday night. You know, I don't know how many, Catherine, do you remember? That'd be what, 20 different churches, people from Durham and everywhere else. Family all gathered together to lift up the name of Jesus from all different walks of churches. I'm going to tell you what, that'll change some things. That'll do some things. And all of you have a part to play. I was telling the church earlier, I want you to look around at the first service. I, uh, same thing. I want you guys to look around. Look, you already hugged a few of these necks. This is God's plan. You're it. God could have done it any other way. 
but God decided to have a family and his family was going to go into all the earth and adopt more family. That's what we do. It's amazing, isn't it? We're like, God, do something. And he goes, I did. I made a church. Now go. You're the plan, the family. And so as I was thinking about this idea that home is revival, we, we, we get a mindset and a concept that church looks a certain way. Our church has to happen a certain way. Most of the time it's according to our preferences, not necessarily according to the word, right? And we get an idea of what the move of God's going to look like. And when we look out there, as I've been telling you guys recently, at what is a freak show of an election um, currently, not just on the presidential level, don't judge. It's all down through, but no, in all seriousness, you figure out a 300 million people. That's the, yeah, maybe some of us should have run for office, but, um, but right. And we get worried and we go, what are we going to do? And we pray and we want God to move. We want God to do something. Maybe God has already done something. Maybe we're not waiting on a move of God because last time I checked, God's never put it in park. God's doing what God does. God is loving. God is kind. God is restoring and healing people. God has made a way. God has created a home. Home is the method of revival. So if we're not seeing a move of God, then we're not plugged into it because God is moving. But the move that God created is the home, the church. That's his move. When Peter said, you are the Messiah, you are the Lord. Jesus said that upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the church, the word there, ecclesia, means literally a people who gather, a people who are being gathered. We aren't waiting on a move of God. We were born again into a move of God. We are the move of God. Home is what revival looks like. It's not some meeting for a certain amount of nights where everybody gets really excited and goes home and is no different. Doing the same thing the way they've been doing for years. So what I want us to do today is we're going to talk a little bit further about that idea. That home is the revival. And it changes things. All right, if you can flip to the next slide for me. Um, Lisa and I have been married uh, 21 years. Uh, this past August 19th. And last year on our 20th anniversary, we took a trip for about four days for our anniversary. It's the first time we've done that. And um, we left our amazing um, uh, teenager who will be 18 here in just a number of days. Um, Scary. And um, home to babysit the other two rugrats while we left town. And when we came back from that anniversary trip, in the front hall of our house, this was thumbtacked to the wall, is what they did for us. You see, I, I'm so glad you can't see that picture of me and Lisa really clearly. But you can at least tell that I am sickly, pasty, pasty white in need of a tan right there. Um, and the bowl cut's really bad. Um, but it says up there, established August 19th, 1995. That's what that says. The EST's up in the top left corner in case you missed it. Established. 21 years ago, Lisa and I stood uh, at was basically an altar in a garden back over aside from one of the uh, dormitory buildings in a garden at our college. And we got married on August 19th. It was 102 degrees. I was wearing a black tux. But we were college students and we didn't know any better. And so... 
um, and it was hot. But from that day to this day, we have been growing and establishing, establishing and flourishing in this home that was planted where the two of us came together in a covenant. And we went into that little apartment that was a double wide trailer cut into four apartments. And the other three apartments had overflow from the boys dorm in them. And it was in Georgia in the red clay. And if you walked around on the shag carpet in the little itty bitty apartment, your car, your socks would be orange because the clay was ground in the carpet. And we heated the little corner of the double wide with the open oven because all we had was baseboard heat. And because it was so tiny, all the furniture is pushed to the wall. And if you cut on a baseboard heat, you burn the whole thing down. So we heat it with the, with the oven. And from that day to now, we're here where our home has been added to. And the children have been raised and they've grown to where one of my children, who's almost 18, is up here stepping into her calling and ministry and pouring it out. That the home has been established and it's grown and it's had impact and it's expanding. Well, God's idea of home, that's the same illustration. That 2,000 years ago, on the day of Pentecost, there was a covenant that was fulfilled. God established the church on that day 2,000 years ago with a small group of people who were remaining after the horror of the crucifixion and the coming persecution of the Romans. A small group of people in obedience to God, receiving the promise of God, that hot pursuit that he's had since the Garden of Eden. It was time, it was going to happen, and the home was established. And from 120 or so that day when it took place to over 2 billion today across the planet with you sitting here in a church on the other side of the world today, God's been establishing his home and expanding his home and new people coming in and lives being changed and people being set free. It is an amazing thing that uh, God has done. So I want us to look at that for just a little bit today as we get ready to dig into this over the coming weeks. I want you to look at Acts chapter 1 with me, if you will. I'm going to read these first five verses to you. And you can read along. There should be a Bible in your seat there. This book, Acts, is written by a guy named Luke. Luke also wrote another book. It's called Luke. And um, if I ever write a book, I'm going to call it Scott. Um, but... Uh, no, he didn't title his own book, but he wrote, he wrote a gospel and Luke's first book was all about the birth and the life of Jesus and the things he taught and the pouring into the disciples to get ready for the launching of the church that we're getting ready to see. It also is the account where Jesus fulfilled the mission of paying for the sins of the world on the cross and then rising again on the third day, conquering death, hell and the grave to make it possible for us to come home. When we believe by faith in Jesus Christ, who is the only way to the Father. Okay? And so now Luke is going to unpack for us this establishment of the home, this revival that God's going to unfold on the earth. In my formal book, in my former book, Theophilus, who is who Luke is writing to, um, he says, I wrote all about uh, uh, all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, uh, after, and then after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, 
uh, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father's promise, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this would have perked their ears up. Because we just talked about a couple weeks ago here in the service about John chapter 14, where Jesus was preparing them for this time. He was preparing them for home. I I would talk to you about the fact that they had been face to face with Jesus for a while. For three years, Jesus has been walking with them on the earth and hanging out with them. And they've done everything together and they're close. But Jesus was getting them ready for what was getting ready to happen. And for what was getting ready to happen in the birthing of the church, and they were going to lead it, they needed a deeper level of intimacy with Jesus. And Jesus said to them, no longer am I going to be with you, hanging out with you face to face. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to take up residence in you. I'm going to make my home in you. I'm going to pour out my spirit. And in John chapter 14 is where he's telling them that. And he says to him, he says that no longer will I be with you, but I'll be in you. I'm going to send you a comforter. It's my spirit who's going to be with you. He's going to remind you of all the things that I've taught you. This is what's getting ready to take place. And this is what Jesus is saying here in these first five verses. He says, go wait for that. That thing I told you about a little while back is getting ready to happen. So they were like, oh, okay, okay. This is what Jesus has been talking about. It's about to happen. This whole change in our relationship. It's all about to unfold. And then you get to verse six. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, this would be a logical question for these guys because they were Jews and they had been raised their whole life to believe and they were taught the perspective on the scriptures from the Jewish folks that the Messiah was coming someday. Now, Israel at this time was an occupied land. It would be as if we were conquered by Canada and they took over the United States and they were ruling our country and we just happened to live here under their rule. The Romans were ruling their land. Okay, And for the most part, they were tolerated. But at times when there had been uprisings, the the Romans had forcefully squashed it. And so the desire of the Jewish people is that when the Messiah would come, he was going to come in as a military leader, kick over the Roman government, and set up the glorious Israel kingdom as the best, shiniest, and prettiest on the earth. And they were going to be better than everybody else. That was the mindset. We're going to be set back up in charge of everything. So it was a logical question for them. The proof of who the Messiah was going to be for them was that he would be a military guy that would do that. Jesus didn't look like that to them. He was a different guy. He was a different thing. Now here's the deal. Very often for us, we have a certain perspective of how God needs to move and what he's going to do and what it's going to look like and what God should do. And we say things like, God, don't you care? And God, when are you going to do this? And I believe this is about to happen. And right. We hear a lot of that these days right now with the condition of our own country and things that are going on and people that are worried. We have to be careful that we don't get so into what we think needs to happen and what we prefer to happen that we don't miss what God's going to do. Because what Jesus was going to unfold through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the launching of the church was far better than anything they desired. Because they might have gotten everything that they wanted had there been a military king, but they would have missed intimacy with God and right relationship with the Father and true life transforming power. Now, if you look down at the next verse there, 
in, uh, in 7 and 8. This is what Jesus says to them. It is not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So kind of what Jesus is saying to him here is, hey, you're not in charge. You don't get to define what this thing looks like. Besides, your brain does not wrap all the way around this incredible thing that my father is going to unfold on the earth. It's going to be more unbelievable and life transforming and healing than anything you could dream up. No brick and mortar kingdom has anything on my father's kingdom is what he was saying. It's just, you're not in charge. Your job guys is just do what I say. Trust me. Just do what I say. Trust me. It's interesting. And he says, if they would do that, He didn't say that you will go and do witnessing when they receive this new relationship with the father, this indwelling of his spirit. He didn't say, hey, you need to go do the witnessing around the world. He says, you will be my witnesses. How do we know there's a difference between doing something and being something? How many people have ever met people that are doing something that they're really not? Just saying. Maybe it's just me. I've been, I've been that person, okay? You know? And uh, somebody, there'll be some people playing football today, and you'll be watching TV on that dude's got no business playing football because he didn't do what you wanted him to do. Okay, so, right? Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. In other words, they would be the example to everyone around of what God was doing. It was not words. It was life transformation, that the home that God was making in them and the communities of faith, the churches that God was going to establish would be the representation of his spirit, his kingdom on the earth. He said, just by the very nature of the transformation that's going to take place in you, the whole world's going to see because of what you become, because of what you are. Now, obviously, when you've had an encounter, often you declare it. There's a difference between intellectually trying to teach somebody something that you just read in a book and kind of understood and something that you have encountered and impacted your life and you can't help yourself but tell somebody about it. There's a difference between the two things. You eat at some of the pretty incredible restaurants around Outer Banks when the seafood was just caught. And the next day you're going, dude, you got to go by and get that special. You got to go eat it there. Why? It's not that you intellectually ascertain the business plan, business model, and how the fish were caught and delivered and what ice they were packed into the restaurant. No, you went, you had an encounter. It was pretty dang good. And you had to tell somebody about it. Right? That's what Jesus is talking about. And he says, look, just trust me. And I'm going to do this in you. I'm going to do this in you. Now look down at verse 12 with me. Skip down a little bit. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In other words, they did what Jesus said. Now, when we flip over to the next chapter, what you're going to find is it happens. Interesting to note here, a little nugget, that sometimes the great move of God and the breakthrough and whatnot is just on the other side of just doing what Jesus said. 
I find with my, myself and a lot of people that I counsel with or people that I encounter in ministry at times, even some extended family that I deal with, I'm sure you do the same, encounter people who are struggling with their consequences in their life. Like, you know, I've got this going on. And I know that in life and we live in a broken world that sometimes things just happen. But there are a lot of things that go on in our life that are the grand sum of some choices we've made. Right? That God loves us enough that he'll let us have exactly what we choose. I tell you guys that all the time. In other words, that if you will choose the kingdom and choose Jesus, you get to have everything that comes along with that. But if you want to choose yourself, your own way, what you desire, choose the opinions of other people, the pressure of other people or whatever, you get everything that comes along with that. God lets you have what you choose. And so sometimes... We get so caught up in trying to manage what we want and whatever, instead of just simply doing what Jesus said. And if we would do that right on the other side of that is some incredible move of God that we couldn't dream of because these guys had no clue what was getting ready to take place for them. All they did was just simply do what Jesus said and they were put in the position to receive what God was going to do. Listen, and there wasn't a bunch of them. At this point, you know, we know that there's about 120 that that wind up gathering there. Out of the thousands of people that Jesus had ministered to and preached to and countless people that were healed and all that stuff that took place during Jesus' ministry, here we are with this little core of people that are going to be the recipient of the first outpouring and the birthing of the home, of the church. Don't underestimate the power of a few or a one who's willing to just simply do what Jesus said, because it may have been 120 on that day, but it's over 2 billion today. And here you sit. If it was not for them, you might not be sitting here, but because they said just, okay, Jesus said, go back and wait. We're going to go back and wait. And they prayed. And just believe God for what he said. And an amazing thing happened. So don't disregard yourself. If you're just willing to do it, don't rule yourself out. Don't rule other people out. The whole world might change when you just simply do what the Lord said. Let me ask you this question. You can flip to the next slide, if you will, for me. So what's your home like? What's your house like? You go to my house, you walk in the door. One of the first things you'll say is they've got kids. You also say they've got cats and a dog. Because there are dust bunnies. You know? Right? You can you walk in the house and look around and tell some things, can't you? You look around and so our, our home is a place where you say there's a family here when you come in our house. It, our house is lived in. You go just past the dining room table, there's all kinds of art stuff that Olivia's pulled out everywhere with the strings and strings and strings of hot glue from the hot glue gun for whatever she's currently making. For those little plastic pets she plays with. Right, littlest pet shop, something. She's always making something for them. And it's amazing. And it's just all there and all over. It's a home. It's just a home. You ever come home from a hard day, a tough day, a busy day? You walk in the house and you close the door behind you. And there's just that moment where you're just like, <sighs> right? Or you flop down on your bed finally, like there's nothing like sitting on your own bed. You finally sit down in your bed and you're like, okay. Cross the finish line. You know that there's like rest. There's a peace there. It's kind of a refuge place that you go to. If you come to my house, you know, you're going to hear those, those laughter of the kids. You're going to see the things from the kids. But you know, sadly, 
That's not the case. Some of you sitting here, as I'm describing home, you're like, dude, my home won't like that. Some homes are filled with fear. Some homes are filled with sadness and brokenness. Let me ask you another question. What's your home sound like? What does your home sound like? I know that in my house, (laughs) you're going to hear laughter. You're going to hear the stomp, 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 stomp. You're going to hear the kitchen light rattle from the kids jumping off the bed upstairs. You're going to hear that beagle bark. There's nothing like a beagle bark. (laughs) She might be this big, but she barks like she's as big as an elephant. And, um, right. You're going to hear discussions. You're going to hear worries in, in my house sometimes. We face tragedy and difficulty in our own home. And how are we going to wait? There are dreams and hopes you'll hear us talk about. You'll hear us discussing Victoria leaving to go off to ministry school next summer. you hear those things in our home. There's a sound in our community too. Our community makes a sound. Some of the sounds are mothers and fathers that are worried about their child who didn't come home last night might be worried that they're strung out and overdosed in a ditch somewhere in this county. There are children and the sound is the cries of the hunger that they went to bed last night with. You'll hear the worries of families who didn't make enough money this summer in the tourist industry and how they're going to pay the bills this winter. I was driving to church today. I wasn't going to share this, but I've been crying for three days. I've been asking the Lord to just open my ears to begin to hear. And I was driving up the bypass and I was passing longboards, um, the restaurant. And there was a gentleman walking in the center turn lane. And he was kind of, he wasn't, he wasn't inebriated that I could tell, but he was definitely tired and sluggish. And, and uh, he was heading over longboards, which is closed at this time early in the morning. I was passing by at about, you know, almost seven o'clock this morning, headed up here. And uh, there were about four or five cars in the parking lot. Well, the only reason there were cars in the parking lot this morning from last night is there were some people who couldn't drive home. And their cars got left there. And this gentleman was headed over to the parking lot. And I just began to weep on the way to church because I could not just see it and go, well, there you go. I heard it. I heard it. The decisions, the impact. Thank God he didn't drive home. <laughs> you know, but... There's a sound in our community. Well, I'm going to tell you something this morning. God's house makes a sound too. God's house makes a sound. Um, I'm going to read this to you. And as I do, if I could get um, the communion team, if you guys would go ahead and just begin to pass out communion. I don't want you to get distracted. I want you to stay focused on the scripture. And uh, if I can get Carissa to come, I want you to listen to this. God's house makes a sound. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind that came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There was a sound and that sound was mighty and it was different than any other sound they heard. And there were sounds in Jerusalem, not just many days prior to that, weeks prior to that, there was a sound. It was a sound of a hammer hitting nails and crucifying their master. There was a sound of screams and cries of crucifying. There was screams of betrayal. 
There was wonders of what was the Roman government going to do with a potential uprising with this rebel that they called Jesus, which the Jews labeled a heretic. There was a sound. But this sound was different than that. It was powerful and it was mighty and it radically transformed their lives. It immediately had an impact. They were filled with the spirit. God took up resonance in them just like he promised. He said that no longer would he be with them in John 14, but now that he was going to be in them, that he was making his home with them and that he was making them themselves the home. The Bible says that we, the body of Christ, are living stones being built up into the whole house of God. The Bible says that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we become the home. We're the home. And now I want you to listen to this. Look at verse, uh, look at the next verse down with me in verse five. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And he lists all the different countries there than places that the people had come from. He said, and then they go look down in verse 11. It says, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own on our own tongues. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? We've never heard this before. What is this? What's going on? What does this mean? Now, verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Now, listen, not everybody's going to understand what we do, but they're going to feel the love of what we do. They're going to hear it. They're going to see it when we make the sound that God's called us to make, to cry out to them, to love them, to reach them where they are, to tell them welcome home. They may think we're weird, but they'll be loved while they think we're weird, right? They're going to hear it. But then some... Some are going to be transformed. Some are going to come home and we're going to grow and be able to step out. Peter steps into this moment and declares what he's encountered, not just some head knowledge, but the thing that's changed his life. He stands up in these next verses and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, tells them all about Jesus and what Jesus has done and that Jesus is Lord is what he says to them. And then you look down in uh, verse 37 with me. And it says this, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what do we got to do? Peter replied, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will come home. Do this and come home. They heard the sound. It was a different sound. And one of the things that we've got to do, church, as the home, we've got to make this welcome home sound in our community. We've got to be the sound of God because it changes things. It shifts the atmosphere. Graham Cook told a a couple of stories. One of them I really tried to find because I really wanted to play you the video, but we don't really have time anyway. I wanted you to play this video, but I couldn't find it. But he recalled a time when he woke up in the morning And he was awakened to cries and wailing, weeping in his house. So he threw off the blanket and he went downstairs 
And because uh, he was thinking something's going on in the house. I mean, you've ever heard a loud, a loud sound in your house, right? And it wakes you up from your sleep. And he gets downstairs to find that his wife and his kids, or whatever, they're gone. They're not home. So he felt, okay, well, they're gone from the day. And he kind of quickly realizes this sound he's continuing to hear, that he's hearing it in his heart, that God is speaking to him. And he goes, okay, well, okay, Lord, what do we do with that? Lord, what do you want me to do? So the only thing he could figure to do was to get in his car and to just drive around the neighborhoods to wherever the sound was the loudest and figure out where it was coming from. So he drove around his neighborhood until it got to the place where the sound was really deafening in his heart and his mind there. And where he pulled to a stop was in front of the government housing district in his area and the projects there. And he said the wailing and the cries and the pain and the weeping was just deafening. So what he decided to do was he gathered some people together, church people, whatever, and they began to go into the neighborhood and they began to serve meals and paint houses and build little fences and plant gardens and play with the kids and do VBS and all of that. And then um, said one, one day he pulled up and what he heard was laughter. That the sound had changed. He recalled another story that a friend of his had shared with him that was a businessman that was basically the same thing. He went to a coffee shop one day that he didn't normally go to because there was a detour in the road. And when he came out with his paper and his coffee, he heard this wailing and crying. And so he's looking around trying to find who it was on the street and he couldn't find. And, and he thought, that's weird. And it happened several times when he went back to that place. And finally he said, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? Okay, God, what am I hearing? And God spoke to him. He said, and said that that's the pain of this community. So his wife wound up going back with him and she heard the same thing. And they began to pray and say, God, what do you want us to do? They sold their business that they had and bought these three row houses that were together, knocked the walls out in between and made a home for the homeless and the poor. And it shifted the whole community. The sound changed. We are the revival. Our cry is welcome home. His name is Jesus. There are people all over our community that are hurting and broken, and we get to shift the atmosphere. We get to change the sound. And what we're going to do in these coming weeks is we're going to talk about ways that we can do that, ways that we grow, ways that we become the home everywhere we go, that we open the door for people wherever we are, that we invite them in wherever we meet them. That I don't drive by some guy walking down the middle of the road, hoping he doesn't get run over, but stopping and saying, hey, buddy, can I take you somewhere? And being open to the conversation. Don't be mad at your waiter for being rude. Ask him a question about how they're doing. You might find out and get the opportunity to pray and shift the atmosphere. Um, let me grab these right here. This right here that you're holding in your hands today, communion as we're getting ready to take together, this is the invitation. This is what's made it possible for you and for me and for everybody else out there that on the night before Jesus was crucified, he took the bread with his disciples and he held it up and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. And when you read in Isaiah that he bore stripes, the whip marks on his body for our healing, that we could be emotionally and physically, mentally we could be healed and set free says that he bore our shame. We don't have to hide from our past anymore. Our past has been paid for. It's now testimony. And we can declare to anybody going, I know what you did. And I said, let me tell you what God's done. It's our testimony, his body. 
And then he held up the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, a new relationship. I'm going to make my home with you. Cup of the new covenant. He said, it's my blood shed for the remission of sin. You can come home. This is what I want us to do. Krista, can you uh, just kill it for first, just a second? Will you bow your heads with me? And I just want you, if you will, take a few seconds. Open your heart with the invitation being held in your hands. And I just want you to listen. Maybe hear the sound of your own pain. Listen for the sound of this community, for the loved ones you're praying for to come home. Just listen. What you hold in your hand is the sound of heaven. It's the cry of the home. It's the invitation that says you can come home. You don't have to be an orphan anymore. You can come home and find a place where your pain, somebody can walk with you and comfort you. The Holy Spirit can bring you comfort. He can remind you of the things that Jesus said. That you could be filled with power and you can make a difference in your world. That you can go out here in this community and shift the atmosphere because of Jesus in you. That's the invitation you hold in your hand. So I just invite you this morning to just take, eat. It's the body of our Lord and Savior. And just take and drink some blood shed for the remission of our sins. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for the family this morning. That you made this possible. (laughs) That we could be here together. As different as we are. With all the things we like and don't like. That you gather us together. Your house. You fill us up. We're never alone. We've got people to hold us accountable and love us through. People that get on our last nerves. But yet we're family and we get to make this journey together. It's awesome, God. Thank you for making it possible. Thank you for the sound that has called us home and we've responded. And now we get to go make that sound. Now listen, there's some of you here this morning that have not answered the call of Jesus to come home. I'd love for today to be your day. There's going to be people down front here that will be willing to pray for you. I would just invite you to come. The prayer team can be down here. If you don't know Jesus, look, it's simple. Just don't be all hung up on what people think and what you've done. All you've got to gain is everything. All you've got to keep is everything you already got. Sounds like a good trade to me. So they'll be here, and they just you come home. You can find that Jesus doesn't condemn you, but that he loves you. That you can receive the forgiveness and be set free and meet your heavenly father who adores you. If you're here this morning and the sounds you hear in your life is deafening, it's your own pain or the pain of your family, the things you're walking through. I want to encourage you to make a decision today to not be disconnected, but to get connected. Find a small group. Find other people that will journey with you, that love Jesus, that will speak the life of Jesus into your life, that will hold your arms up and walk with you until the sound changes. And for the rest of us that are home, that know Jesus, let's make a determination today that we're going to go out here and we're going to make a home in the Outer Banks.
with all the other amazing churches and amazing pastors out here that we're going to link arms and we're going to change the sound of our community. Amen? Amen. So, Father, that's our declaration today. Father, that's our heart. Just open our ears. Let us hear as we drive up and down this bypass the sounds of this community so that we can find where we can go in and extend the invitation home. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. These guys, uh, Chris is just going to sing and lead us, and you can stay and worship. Come if you need prayer today. Other than that, make sure you hug somebody before you go. Make lunch plans. We love you guys. You guys are awesome.